I wish you could see from my perspective, because you all look beautiful today. And I don't care if you bought new Easter clothes and then you couldn't wear them because it's supposed to snow today. Or maybe, maybe you've worn the same bright colored Easter jacket every year for the last 20 years. Or maybe you just pulled something out of the dirty laundry that still passed the sniff test. (laughs) Ready or not, we're here. We're dressed in our Easter clothes. We're clothed and we're beautiful, beloved children of God. The good news today, which we heard earlier, it features Easter clothes. And you heard it, right? Mark 16, as they entered the tomb, the women saw a young man dressed in a white robe. His Easter clothes. Now, some people just sort of blaze right past this and say, oh, well, Mark is implying that this is an angel. But I wonder, if it's an angel dressed in white, then why doesn't Mark come out and say it? He uses the word angel in other parts of Mark's gospel, but he doesn't specify it here. So I don't think that this young man dressed in a white robe is an angel, except in the sense that an angel means a messenger. So if you've ever sent a text message, you're an angel. Because this messenger, this angel, this young man in his Easter clothes, he has a message. He has good news. Go, he says, tell the disciples that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Jesus of Nazareth was crucified He has been raised. He is not here. Now, this is good news, but I wonder if Jesus is being raised from the dead, couldn't he have just met them to tell them himself? Why is Easter set in an empty tomb with only a young man dressed in a white robe? Who is this person? We don't know anything about him. We don't even know his name. We just know that he's dressed, fully clothed, robed in white. And I think that Mark includes this detail because this man's clothes make this new day of creation resonate with the story of the first creation, our origin story where Adam and Eve start in the garden, naked and unashamed. But as they begin blaming and shaming each other, they could no longer be comfortable in their naked bodies, in their true selves. They ran away from God, they fled, they hid themselves, and they tried to cover themselves, but nothing, nothing they clothed themselves with could deal with their underlying shame. They were incapable of saving themselves and properly clothing themselves on their own. So God clothed Adam and Eve in God-made clothes. God fully dressed them in new garments. 
God met them with just what they needed in the middle of their shame and betrayal. Later, God sent teachers and prophets, and some of the prophets called for people to tear their clothes as a sign of mourning and repentance. And the prophet Isaiah rejoiced because God's anointed servant, sent to bring good news to the poor, was clothed in a robe of righteousness and garments of salvation. Then we come to Holy Week. Like in Eden, God is again in a garden with loved ones. And once again, the ones loved and created by God flee. They leave Jesus to the mob. And then there is a memorable verse in Mark chapter 14 that for some reason we never act out at our Good Friday service. A certain young man was following Jesus, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. The mob, with swords and clubs, caught hold of this young man, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. This man, naked and ashamed, streaked away. And as he streaks away, he underlines the truth that every single follower of Jesus has abandoned Jesus. Judas betrayed him, and Peter denied him, and everyone runs away, and even one person is so desperate to get away, he leaves his clothes behind him. This is the peace that the world gives. This is what happens in a brutal community when it's all against one. You know what the Romans were thinking. A conquered community is a peaceful community. It's the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And it's the myth of redemptive violence. This myth that if a victim dies and everyone has turned against that victim, everyone has turned and abandon that victim, then that victim's death will result in peace. It's a temporary peace and a false peace. But we're lulled into thinking it's permanent. It's why we have the war to end all wars, and a decade later, we're in another war. And then we drop atomic bombs to end that war, And then a century goes by with hot and cold wars, both. Redemptive violence, temporary victory. Because over and over, we think that just a little more violence, and that violence will cast out other violence. Satan will cast out Satan. But this is not God's way. This is not the way of the cross. Violence to end violence is not the message of the resurrection. This is why it's problematic for us to think that God required Jesus' violent death. Too often we preach something that's like divine child abuse. No. It's humans who require violence. It's humans who think that killing Jesus would end Jesus' kingdom. It's humans 
who depend on the fact that killing the revolutionary ends the revolution. Jesus has been abandoned and rejected by everyone. No one has come to his defense. No one will come to save him. And one young man has even fled naked rather than be caught. And for three long days, it's true. The Jesus movement is over. The way of nonviolence is defeated by the sword, the cross, the crowd, the mob. The powers that be cow the less powerful into submission. Killing Jesus is the end. And so temporary peace descends upon the world. Pilate and Herod, formerly enemies, become friends. Religious and political leaders become cozy. Jews and Romans, colonized and colonizer, they're not warring with each other. Jesus' own followers are terrified. They're not going to continue in Jesus' way on their own power. They can't. The forces of violence are too much and too terrifying. And Jesus, who taught them not to raise swords against their enemies, does not leave them with any other options. So they run away naked. Now back to Easter clothes. Like in the Garden of Eden, God tenderly clothes the one who betrayed him. God lovingly dresses us, each of us, in garments of salvation. And I don't think it's an accident that an anonymous young man runs off without his linen cloth. And then an anonymous young man is there in the tomb, sitting serenely, fully clothed, ready to tell the good news. Listen to this young man, dressed in a white robe, his nakedness clothed with love. Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place he laid. But go, tell his disciples that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. With Jesus' death, we see the truth. We're clothed in it. Violence does not bring peace, only forgiveness does. Can you imagine? The good news is nonviolent forgiveness. The good news is that nonviolent forgiveness is the only thing that can bring true peace. So, will we run off naked? Will we remain terrified and afraid? Will we view God as a vengeful God ready to punish humanity? Will we be fooled into thinking that violence can end violence? Or will we witness to God's story, proclaim this good news? Jesus, the betrayed, refuses to turn on those who betrayed him. Jesus, the abandoned, comes back to the very people who left him. 
Jesus the denied calls people by name. Jesus the forgiving victim is alive. And there is nothing that we have done or will do. There is nowhere that we can run to. There is no level of nakedness of self and soul that can keep God from loving the ones God has created. So this day, let us joyfully receive the robes of righteousness and the garments of salvation, our Easter clothes. Amen.